0: You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. And welcome to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. These podcasts are all about leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Jason, so good to be on the line with you today. Uh, Dale, it's great to be with you too and look forward to uh, this discussion. So today we're going to be talking about the need for a culture of growth in your business. These podcasts are all about really putting into place and into practice the principles that Jason and his research team have discovered through uh, a dozen years of writing bestsellers and also being in, in the corporate setting and speaking to hundreds of thousands of people over the course of those 12 years. And so today the need for a culture of growth and I think if if I talk to a business owner, Jason, they're going to say, oh, absolutely, we need to grow. Right. But it goes deeper than that, that there has to be a very intentional approach to make growth a number one priority, isn't it?
1: Well, and you just nailed the word. Uh, in fact, it is my favorite word uh, in business. Uh, and, and it's a word that everybody should think of every day. And the word is Intentional. Uh, after having now studied m- more than two, screened more than 220,000 companies, built dossiers and 55,000, uh, conducted 11,000 interviews with CEOs and business owners over the past dozen years, I am convinced the single most important word in business is intentional uh, and used in this context. Growth must be intentional. Innovation must be intentional. Uh, a diversified workforce must be intentional until until it becomes intentional and you're going to put into effect a series of steps to make it happen. It's just nothing but idle talk and idle discussion. Uh, however, the real reason for growth will probably surprise you uh, on, on the need for growth. And, and, and what is that reason? And, and the reason is, is best exemplified, I, I guess, by this story. Uh, Every year uh, during those 80 keynote speeches I get to do, I probably in the course of a year reach, I don't know, a quarter of a million people. There's a bunch of speeches with five to 10,000. There are smaller classroom settings, but it's it's certainly several hundred thousand people. And one thing that is common to every speech is at one point uh, I look out at the audience and I say, how many of you would like to make more money? Raise your hand. Every hand goes up. And then I say, all right, how many of you want to have a promotion? At some point, virtually every hand goes up. And I say, okay, now I want you to shout out the answer to this one. Do you want that sooner or do you want that later? And the room resounds with sooner. We want it to happen sooner. Well, of course, unless an organization is growing, there's no more money for anyone. There's no more promotions for anyone uh, unless somebody dies, retires, or gets thrown underneath the bus. And so... The reason that you grow and the reason that you're intentional about the need to grow is because it allows you to crack the biggest single conundrum, the biggest single problem that any business will ever have, and that is finding, keeping, and growing the right people. Unless an organization is growing, there's no way to find, keep, and grow the right people. This was brought alive for me as I was interviewing Mike Long, who is the CEO of Aero Electronics. Uh, He has taken this company from a several billion dollar uh, distributor of of componentry to a 22 billion dollar powerhouse. And he's, he's a big former Midwest football player with a big, big heart that is just instantly recognizable. But for him, it's all about growth. Pedal to the metal, grow, grow, buy new businesses, invent new businesses, grow, grow, grow. And I remember one day I was, I, well, it was an interview, but it was a very conversational interview. And I said, Mike, you're all about growth. I mean, are you ever going to slow down? And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean slow down? He said, well, never slow down. And I said, well, is your, is your owner, your shareholder so greedy? And he looked at me and he said, shareholder? He said, what the hell are you talking about? He said, companies that act out of the short-term interest of their shareholders do stupid things they shut down factories, they lay off people, they slash product offerings. He said that we're not growing for the shareholder first and foremost. He said, Jason, I am surrounded by 25,000 of the greatest workers in the world. And he said, what I can tell you is every one of them wants to make more money. At some point, every one of them is going to want more challenge. And if they can't make more money, I mean, if they can't get challenged, they're eventually going to leave. And if they leave, They either join my competition or they become my new competitors. He said, my challenge is to stay ahead of my people. He said, that allows me to keep the great people. He said, that's what allows us to stay ahead of the customer. And that, in turn, is what allows us to stay ahead of our shareholders' needs, wants, and expectations. And so the real reason to be committed to a culture of growth is not so... The owner can put more money in his or her pocket, which, of course, is only fair that they do if the organization is growing and doing well. But the real reason to be committed to growth is for the benefit of everyone within the organization. Think about it, Dale. Uh, There are about 10 things, and I'll cover them very quickly, that happen when an organization says we are committed to an annual double-digit improvement in our financial performance. Now, note I did not say double-digit growth. Double-digit growth is very hard to do. For my book, Think Big, Act, Small, we studied 72,000 American companies and only found 10 that have been able to achieve double-digit organic growth for 10 years in a row in both profits uh, and uh, revenues. But an annual double-digit improvement in your financial performance might be a, a 4 or 5 or 6% revenue increase. It might be increasing your profitability three, four, five, six, ten, fifteen percent because of increased efficiencies on the inside, productivity in, uh, increases, or it might be occasionally buying another small business. But the magic number seems to be that when you do, when you're achieving this double-digit improvement in your overall financial performance every year, that that's what allows you to crack the code. So here's what happens when you do that. Number one, it attracts the right people. I mean, can you imagine telling somebody, "Now we'd like to hire you," and uh, but what you have to know is. Uh, you know, we're not really going forward here, kind of going backwards here, uh, but why don't you come and join us? Well, I mean, you know, who who would take a job there? I, I mean, unless somebody was virtually unemployable elsewhere. So a commitment to growth attracts the right people. It keeps the right people. There's no reason for them to leave. It grows the right people. Mercifully, it gets rid of the wrong people. It gets rid of the naysayers and the whiners and the winders and the people who say, "Ah, it can't happen," and the best days are over, et cetera. It improves the fortunes of families.
0: Let's talk uh, about that. You said mercil- mercil- mercifully. Yes, that was a, word, that was huh? a key word. word. Yeah, mercifully, not mercilessly, but mercifully. Yes, uh, helps the right, the wrong people exit the organization. Yes. What do you mean by that word? And 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 how does it how does that work? What's that look like?
1: I'll, I'll give you a great example. Uh, when I'm asked who the best company in the world is, the best-led, best-managed company in the world, I have no hesitation. It's uh, a steel company in America called Newcore Steel. Uh, in the past 10 years, Nucor Steel has taken the time it takes to make a ton of steel from 11 hours to about 10 minutes. They've never had a layoff in the history of the company. Their average steel worker makes about $120,000, $125,000 a year They have led the S&P for the past 10 years in terms of stock performance. If you work for New Core Steel and have three or four kids in college or university or vocational institution, it's paid for by the company. Uh, Unless you're an executive, as Dan D'Amico says, executives make enough damn money uh, to send their own kids to college. Uh, They have a great pension program, except for the executives. Again, he says executives make enough money. They can take care of their own pensions. It's a a most remarkable company. When you go to work for New Core Steel, uh, two things happen. Uh, and they have the lowest rate of turnover uh, of, of any manufacturing company on the planet, I believe. Uh, first of all, you're going to work for 90 days, uh, and during that 90 days, you can leave any time or the company can leave you uh, at any time for any reason. But when you work at Newcore Steel, everybody works on a team of about six or seven people. And uh, I, I mentioned that they make $120,000, $125,000 a year, but their base salary is like 35 dollars or $40,000 a year. So the rest of that money is based on producing more error-free, injury-free steel products the company produces. And everybody works on a team and is paid on a team basis throughout the entire company. And as D'Amico says, I said, now, where's your HR department? He said, we really don't have one. And I said, well, how can you be a company with this many people without a big HR department? I said, how do you get rid of people? And he said, well, we don't have to have HR to get rid of people. And I said, what do you mean? He said, look, when somebody comes here, they go to work on a team. And he said, if they're not pulling their weight, if they're not helping the team move forward, he said, it's not going to be long before the members of the team say, you know what? Get out of here. I mean, you don't belong here. You get the wrong attitude. You're not pulling your own weight. You don't want to surround yourself with people who are whiners, wedgers, and complainers. And, uh, and so many organizations have them. Well, when you say one of the guiding principles of this organization is that we're committed to an annual double-digit improvement in our financial performance. It says a lot about how the organization is gonna do business. It it, it says a lot about lean. It it, it says a lot about being very aggressive in the marketplace. Um, But but if you're not committed to that kind of growth, then you you don't fit in the organization. And so we find that organizations that are committed to this double-digit improvement in their annual financial performance, the wrong people uh, have a a neat way of working themselves out of the organization. And let me continue the list very, very quickly. This commitment to a double-digit improvement in financial performance improves the fortunes of families. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm sure it's true of you as it is of me. There's only been one thing in my life that I've been interested in, and that's better tomorrows than today's for my family. Well, if if an organization is not growing, there's no better tomorrows for families. There's no money for reinvestment uh, in the business. Uh, There's no need to force yourself to stay ahead of the customer. Uh, The other big one that happens is uh, when you're committed to a double-digit improvement in your financial performance, your vendors and suppliers become your partners because vendors and suppliers have favorite customers. And their favorite customers are the ones who are growing and committed to growth because that's going to allow them to grow as well. It keeps the attention of investors. It makes communities better places. But most importantly, the biggest thing it does is this. I love to ask people if at some time during their life they were part of a winning team. Were you part of a winning baseball team or basketball team? Or uh, you won a spelling bee, or uh, you set a record for selling Girl Scout cookies? Or I, I ask people, "Have you ever been part of a winning team at some point in your life?" And you know, there's always lots of heads and audiences nodding. Yes, yes, I remember. And so I, I go out and I said, "Well, what was yours?" Well, we were a group of uh, ne'er-do-well uh, seniors and juniors in high school, and we weren't supposed to have a chance, and we, and we won a uh, statewide championship or whatever might happen to me. And I, say, I look at them and I say, do you still think about that? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, was that a magical time in your life? Oh, my God, yes. Do you still stay in touch with some of the people? Oh, my God, yes. Well, you see, it's the responsibility of an employer. It, it is a, it's an employer's responsibility To make certain that everybody works for them, feels that they are part of this incredible winning team, and they can't imagine ever playing in another team, because it's so good, it's so wonderful, their soul is fed, they're doing well, they're providing for their family, they're sufficiently challenged, they're on a winning team. That's the response. It's not the responsibility of the worker or the employee to make that happen, uh, because of a good attitude, it is truly the responsibility of the leader to make that happen. Well, what better way to make that happen? What better starting point, I mean, than to have a, a growing organization? You know, when money's coming in the door and growth is taking place, everybody just has a slightly bigger smile on their face.
0: And I'm going to go back to this word intention and intentionality through this this conversation because it's so important in every Single step of the way. But if the business owner is saying, Well, I intend to do that, intend is a lot different than being intentional.
1: Uh, uh, is it ever? Uh, I intend to do that. Uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, I, I think, uh, is the saying goes. Yeah. So it, the idea, though, is
0: how do you intentionally spread this idea of growth throughout the organization so that you have the buy-in of the employees and that they really feel that they are part of that winning team.
1: Yeah, there's only one way to do that. Uh, And, and, and and first it begins with this. Um, If you really want to buy yourself a Learjet and a, and a McMansion someplace, and that's the reason you're committed to growth as the owner of a business. uh, I believe that people today, especially young people, those uh, 20 to uh, 35 or 40 have the greatest BS meters on the planet, whether they even know it or not. And so the, the first thing you have to have is you have to have a sense of authenticity about yourself. Uh, when you look at people and say, we want to go to this organization for the benefit of everyone, and everyone is gonna share in that, you better mean it and it better be true, or you're gonna be seen as being fraudulent. But, but you have to do it one on one. One of the, one of the great men I wrote about in my book, less is more is a guy by the name of Bill Zollers and Bill Zollers, uh, many years ago saw that he was not going to become the CEO of Kodak. I think he was the one person who might've been able to save it. And so he left and, and became the CEO of, uh, of yellow freight. And when he got to yellow freight, it was his first CEO position. He took a look at the balance sheet and he realized the company was going to be bankrupt. Uh, In 14 months, Uh, you look at the current assets and marketable securities and uh, the lines of credit, the company was going to be bankrupt in 14 months if they stayed in the freight business. And so he decided that the only chance, uh, the only chance they had was to become a logistics company and a a company that sold transportation solutions as opposed to simply a trucking company. And at the time, they had 60,000 unionized drivers who hated the company. And they had horrible labor relations for for years and years and years and years and years. And Zollers needed them uh, on his side. And so for his first year on the job, he would leave Overland Park, Kansas every Sunday night. And on Monday morning at 6 o'clock, he'd be at a yellow freight depot someplace. And during the course of a day, he'd be at four or five freight depots. The next day, four or five or six more. The next day, four or five or six more. Uh, He and his number two guy, Greg, over the course of a year, covered like 500 of the yellow freight depots. And uh, he would sit down with the people and he'd say, look, labor relations in the past have been horrible here. They've been strained. And uh, I probably don't have a whole bunch of credibility with you, but, but let me tell you how the cow ate the cabbage. Here, here's the story. Here, here's the balance sheet. If we stay in the trucking business in 14 months, you're not going to have a job. I'm not going to have one either. There will be no company. But he said, if, if we can turn this into a logistics and solutions company, He said, we got a chance of making it. And he said, if we make it, guess what? There'll be more money for you. There'll be more union jobs. And hopefully I'll be rewarded too. And he just met with people one-on-one, sometimes groups of two or three people, sometimes four or five people. But over the course of a year, he met with everybody. And I remember asking him, I said, did you get everybody on your side? And he looked at me and he said, you don't need to get everybody on your side. He said, you need one more than 50%. And he said that then beca- starts becoming the culture of the organization. And that one more than 50% starts working the bad apples out of the organization. He said, you don't need an HR department to do it. The people will do it themselves. So when, when growth, when you want to grow for the right reasons and you meet with people and you say, this is why we must grow. It's for the benefit of all the stakeholders and everybody is going to benefit. And I need you to be on side with that. Man, I'll tell you what, I I, I, I believe that most people, I don't find many badasses out there. I, I say 98 or 99% of the people I bump into are pretty good folks and, and, and want to do the right thing. And given the chance, we'll do the right thing. But they've never been invited before. Uh, nobody's ever thought enough of them before to sit down with them and invite them someplace and promise what the journey was going to be and and what would happen as a result of, of, of the journey. So it all comes back to this to the sense of authenticity. And so, one, the double digit improvement in your financial performance must of necessity be a guiding principle. Two, it must be based and on an authentic care and compassion and consideration for all the stakeholders, uh, in the organization. And during an upcoming episode, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about stewardship because that's what stewardship is. Stewardship is saying as the owner of a business, I, I, I have four constituencies here. I have the workers. I am responsible. I have customers. I am responsible. I have vendors and suppliers. I am responsible. I have owners or shareholders. I am responsible. And as a good steward, it is my responsibility to make everything better for every single one of those constituencies. And you know what? I go back to my BS meter. People's BS meters are pretty good. You can't fake that stuff. You can't fake that stuff. There is absolutely no way it can be faked. And so one of us, the growth must become a guiding principle. Intentionality says this you need to build the program for how it's going to be achieved, you need to build the simple roadmap. I mean, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. And if we do these things, growth will naturally occur. Then you need to get everybody on side, uh, on your side, and that's where you invite them to be members of this little league baseball team that won the championship, or the high school football team that won the championship, or the or the cheer squad, or the cheerleading squad that won the state championship. The responsibility of the leader is to man, it's to make people uh, feel part of this winning team. My father, uh, and I'll, I'll conclude this thought with this very quick story. My father was uh, played for the University of Michigan. Um, it was eight years before I was born, 1948. Uh, and they went to the Rose Bowl for the second time in their history. And uh, they defeated every opponent that year. I think they outscored them 356 to 42 points or something. It was quite a remarkable performance. And what I never understood as a young guy growing up, my father would say, when I was 8, 9, 10, 12, my father would say, come on out of the golf course with me. You can caddy or we'll golf. And God, I never wanted to go with him. And the reason I never wanted to go with him, because I knew what was going to happen. I, he, he and a couple of his cronies, the entire 18 holes of golf would be talking about these stupid football games that had taken place 20 years before. And then when they'd have a beer in the clubhouse afterwards, Billy, I remember that time that you ran with the ball. And I think, you know, I was young. I wanted to think about tomorrow. I didn't want to think about games from 10 or 15 years ago. And one day, it took me till late in life to understand. The reason my father and his buddies talked about that, because that was the best they had ever felt in their life. That was probably the only time in their life they were part of this winning team, acknowledged as such. Why wouldn't you want to talk about it for the rest of your life? I get it now, and it's the responsibility of every employer to make things that good that everybody who's on the team is going to be talking about it for the rest of their life and remembering it as one of the greatest experiences they ever had.
0: And the consequence of not taking that approach to make a memorable winning experience in your organization is that ultimately people are going to be looking somewhere else
1: for that winning experience. Uh, without question, just yesterday, I, I had one of life's little aha moments. Um, generally most days when I'm out on the road, I, I go to the gym at the end of the day for about an hour and a half and, and then I'll stop at the grocery store and pick up whatever I'm going to be cooking for dinner that night. And, and last night as I walked out of the grocery store with my little bag of purchases, I was standing and all of a sudden I went, Oh my God, think about this. Think about all the grocery stores that have disappeared I mean, in the past 20 years. I mean, just gone. Disappeared. Um, The consequences, Dale, are very simple. As an organization, you will be committed to growth and you will be growing. Or you will be going backwards. And if you're going backwards, you will become completely irrelevant. And you will absolutely... Disappear, you will, you'll go away. You will look at borders, mm-hmm. track, isn't it? Borders. One day we heard they were having some financial problems, and the next day they were liquidating those nine hundred stores and throwing fifty or sixty thousand people out of work. Circuit City. Jim Collins wrote about Circuit City in his book Good to Great as one of the ten greatest companies built to last for the history of the world, and a few years later, they were gone. Take a look at BlackBerry, who kept promising the BlackBerry 10 operating system next quarter, next quarter, next quarter, next year for two years. And in two years, they became a complete irrelevance. The cost of not being committed to a double-digit improvement in your financial performance, the consequences of not getting everybody on the greatest team of all time, is ultimately complete irrelevance. You'll disappear. Go away
0: we want to leave people on the bright note. And so just the the reminder that double it's about double digit improvement. We're not talking about something that is so big that you can't wrap your head around it as in double digit, double growth, double digit growth, but double digit improvements. And it's about finding, keeping and growing the right people. It sure is. <laughs> I mean, to to sum it up right there, it comes back to the people and the people who are around you and really creating those win situations. So that's a, you've you've really boiled it down and got it down to the core essence of what it's all about when you think about a culture of growth and uh, that it's about real authenticity it's about transparency and honesty For the person who's running the business and some great insights for us for the game changers you're listening to jason jennings coming up on the next podcast we're talking about your book the reinventors and it's the art of the small bet we're looking forward to that conversation jason jennings thank you so much for sharing your insight on leadership lessons and speed productivity growth innovation and reinvention i'll talk to you soon my friend dale thanks a lot